Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Such a good sense of the Lord's presence today. You know, He inhabits the praises of His people. When we go into praise like that, He's just here. The presence of God is here. I was thinking, I was listening to a song the other day, um, Charity Gale has a new uh, album out, and in it, she's, she's doing a lot of the older songs, and she sings that, that song, We Are Standing on Holy Ground, for the Lord is here, and where He is is holy, and it just, I mean, that song just sort of rattled me. I remember singing it as a teenager, and just that feeling of like, yeah, where He is is holy. Even though we're in normal circumstances, living normal life with normal problems, God is here which makes it supernatural. And today we're gonna talk just a little bit um, about engaging the supernatural, engaging the presence of God. I came into uh, practice uh, Wednesday night here when the team was practicing and I walked in and I had, I had Walter with me. It, he loves coming to church. He loves meeting new people and actually trying to come on the stage actually. But uh, brought Walter into church. So we're not having like a particularly holy moment. I'm just having a behave yourself moment. And I walk in, sat down, and I heard the Spirit of God say, come up higher. Come up higher. And uh, it resonated with me. I, there's just so much connected to that, but I believe it's the prophetic word for, from the Lord for us in this season. I believe very clearly God is calling us to come up higher. And come up higher is a, a specific uh, instruction. It means something different to different people, but we're going into what it means according to the word. According to the word, this is a thing where we're engaging God where he is. We're not asking him to come down to where we are. There's a big difference in our expectation when that is there. When we say, I'm willing to be wherever you need me to be. I'm willing to come wherever you are. I'm willing to pursue you. Not, I'm in my mess and I would really love you to come here, here with me and sit here with me. God will always be with us, but there are times when he says, come up higher. Come into this place where I am. And it's because he wants us to see or understand something that we don't see or understand already. There's something that shifts in his presence. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. And lots of times we stop right there. And we just think God thinks differently than I do. God sees differently than I do. But it's more than just he thinks differently or he sees differently. He thinks or sees higher. He says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So not only does God think differently or see differently than we do as natural people, he thinks better. He thinks higher. His perspective is higher. How many of you know when we get into a higher place, our perspective is much better than it is when we're down in the muck, right? When you're down there in the nitty gritty and you can't see, you just, you're in survival mode all the time. But God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he invites us to come into that place to see with him. I feel like in this current season that we've just come out of, many of us have been in years now of hand-to-hand -hand combat. And we're just trying to survive. We've been like navigating day to day, week to week, month to month, just to get through. And everything is just, it's like, it's immediate. We went through, you know, seasons of 
like watching the news reports every single day to see where we're at with, with rules and regulations and medical uh, information and all of that stuff. And, and it gets to be this habit of living in this survival thing. And I believe God is asking us to step out of that now and come up higher. We can't stay in the survival spot. We can't stay in that like, you know, right in front of my face, respond all the time. We have strategies that we're meant to think. We have goals that we're meant to set. We have dreams that are meant to be birthed. There are things that we should be walking towards. But if we're down in the muck, we can't see it. All we see is how do I get through today? And God's calling us to come up higher. The perspective around us right now, I mean, honestly, I, you, you know this about me, I'm, I get a little passionate about stuff, but I am so tired of being passionately upset about all the stuff I can't control. You know, like you read stuff and, and you just get over, you just find a place of rest for your mind over the last crisis and the last stupid decision that got made and the next one shows up. And you, like day after day after day, the earth is groaning for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. But we won't be revealed if we don't come up higher to recognize who we are. So God is saying you have to get out of the muck, you have to step up into that place. And this is not a natural thing. It's a spiritual thing. And it doesn't mean you have to go away to do it. It means that in the inside, you are deciding to step away from the nitty gritty and up into his presence. It's like what we did this morning. It's spending that extra time. We could have said, you know what? We're at 25 minutes. We need to move on to the announcements. God was like, I kind of want to do something here today. That is, that is choosing to come up higher. That's saying, you know what? Our time frame doesn't matter nearly so much as his presence does, right? We want him more than we want to be tickety-tickety on the clock. Honestly, we want uh, to interact with God. Yeah. So he's inviting us into this place to come up higher. There's this verse in James 3, 13 to 17, that gives us the reasoning why. And it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. This is a key. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. So what, what kind of wisdom is that? The, the bitter envy, self-seeking, boasts and lies against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. So if we package that together, what we could say is if our mind is stuck in the right here, we are being bombarded daily by the wisdom that is earthly, sensual, demonic. It is self-seeking, it is envious, and it is all about selfish ambition. Does that sound like your newsreel at all by any chance? Sounds like mine. It sounds like this is how the world works. What is in it for me? This is what I think. This is what I want. This is what I feel. This is what I identify. This is my choice. This is my right. This is my, 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 my. And it's earthly, it's sensual, and it's demonic. So it might feel okay for a season, but it will not bear the fruits of real wisdom. So God tells us that there's these different kinds of wisdom. He goes on and he says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion 
and every evil thing are there. Do you know, I, I shared on uh, Facebook the other day, but most of you probably saw it on your, um, your uh, news updates. Our uh, government, uh, basically our um, Supreme Court actually just decided this week that it is a reasonable defense to be intoxicated and rape or kill somebody. Yeah. If you are voluntarily intoxicated, that counts the same as an insanity defense if you hurt somebody else. Our Supreme Court decided that this week. Does that not sound sensual, earthly, demonic? Does it not sound like confusion and every evil thing is present? We can get caught up in that and be like, oh my goodness, this, this is gonna overtake our lives. Or we go, okay, down here, it's crazy. I'm gonna come up higher. I'm going to have to decide that I think differently because none of this makes any kind of sense. The issues that we're facing, the stuff that's on the public square right now, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't bear good fruit if you play it out long term. And so when you see that, it's, it's mine, it's my choice, it's my rights, it's my... I mean, they're saying it's against somebody's charter of rights and freedoms to be held accountable for what they do when they're stoned. What? That's crazy talk. I'm not getting into politics here. I'm just saying this is the wisdom of the earth right now is that it's confused and it's broken. So what is God's? We know that verse 17 says, but the wisdom that is from above or higher is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, then willing to yield without partiality and without hypocrisy. It says in verse 18, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace by operating in higher level wisdom. We have come to the point in time where we have to come apart and be separate, straight up. You know, honestly, I, I, I know we don't love being the weird ones, but what's normal is crazy just in case you haven't noticed. What is normal right now is broken. What is normal right now is damaged. What is normal right now damages others. What is abnormal is what is higher, what is wise, what is the wisdom from above that actually brings life and life abundantly. That's what we get to choose. So we can be abnormal, but we can live in life abundantly. Which would we prefer? being status quo with what we see around us or being in a place where we're coming from a higher perspective and we actually can affect change. God is calling us into that place of revelation. So earthly wisdom, it's self-seeking, confusing, and it gives access to the enemy, straight up. God's wisdom is from above. It's pure, it's peaceable, it's willing to yield, and it's truthful. There's this thing that happens when we step into God's wisdom where our perspective comes around right. And I believe this morning that this is something that God wants to do supernaturally for many of us, that there's some places where we have not been thinking accurately. It's because we're caught in this earthly realm. It's because we're seeing things through this weird filter. We see through the glass dimly. You know, we, we see things through this earthly filter. And if we are looking to earthly answers to, to solve the problems that we face, we will find ourselves in more and more and more brokenness. 
But if we will come up higher, we will come into this place in God. And we're going to just skim through real quick 1 Kings 19. And it's the story of um, uh, Ahab and Jezebel and Elijah. It's the story where there's been this like miracle thing. You remember where where Elijah calls down fire from heaven on the altar and the, the fire comes down and burns up the sacrifice, burns up the water, burns up the stones, burns up everything. And Elijah has his greatest prophetic moment ever and he starts just killing demonic prophets. It's a it's sort of weird thing. Um, but then he has this victory and he hears the threats of Jezebel. He hears the threats of the enemy come against him. And it says in 19 verse one, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he rose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. We were talking in this last couple of weeks, the amount of things that even our earthly governments have put into law in this last season that make pastoring a church pretty dangerous honestly any of us who are counseling people any of us who are meeting with people praying with people the things that our law currently holds are really quite scary it's like Jezebel is saying when I get my hands on you And it is very tempting, even as God's people, when you've got people coming at you, you've got, you know, whether you work in a church or you don't work in a church, when you make a righteous stand and you bump into the prevailing spirits of the day, they utter threats. I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about the spirits behind them, utter threats. And you, you're so tempted to do what Elijah has done and run for your life. It's like, you know what? I don't need this garbage. I don't need to deal with this. this I'm just gonna mind my own business. I'm just, I'm just gonna go off by myself. I'm not gonna, do you know you've been called to go into all the world and preach the gospel? So the lie of running away and hiding is actually from this earthly sensual wisdom that is demonic and it is out to destroy. And so Elijah, you know, he's tired. He hears this threat and he, he runs. Verse four, it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Wow. He prayed that he might die and he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I'm no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked, and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. What journey? I'm hiding and hoping to die. What What are we talking about? And God's just like, have a nap, have some cake. You're awake. Okay, have a nap, have some cake. Plants the seed. You got some stuff ahead of you. you. You think that you're just hiding here forever, but no, there's actually a plan for you. And so verse eight, so he arose and he ate and drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days. That was some cake. And 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. This is interesting. As far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. And I am Lona am left, and they seek to take my life. Seriously, I've given it all for you. I've tried really hard to be a good prophet. I've been doing all the right stuff, and essentially, they're trying to kill me. I'm the only one left. My life sucks. Okay. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. And so it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Isn't this interesting? It's like a repeat of the same thing, but like, are you done yet? Are you done with the noise? Are you done with what you think is happening? Are you done with your wrong perspective? Are you done with, with whining? Are you done with complaining about your discomfort? Are you done? What are you actually doing here? And he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Hazael as king over Syria and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of blah, blah. You shall anoint as the prophet in your place. And it shall be that whoever escapes the sword of Hazael, Jehu will kill. And whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, Elisha will kill. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all those whose knees have not bowed to Baal and, who, and every mouth who has not kissed him. Elisha or Elijah gets called into this place. He's like, go to the mountain, go to this place this instruction to be separated, to come up higher. And he asks him, what are you doing here? I've got all these things going wrong. These are the issues. I'm the only one left. I don't know what to do. I should just die. Mm. Okay, let me show you my power. Let me show you how I move. Let me show you what's possible. Now, quietly, in the still small voice, speak into your heart. What are you doing here? I've done everything I know to do and it's still really hard and people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And God's like, okay, now that I've got your attention, go here and anoint this king. Go here and anoint that king. Go here and anoint your successor. And by the way, you who think you're the only one left, there's 7,000 more like you who I've been keeping alive for such a time as this. I've hid them away. You're not by yourself. And, and the shift happens because Elijah has come to this place where he's come up out of the noise, sought the face of God. He's come up higher and he suddenly has a different perspective. He suddenly knows what's supposed to happen in the nations around him. He suddenly knows what's supposed to happen with his life. If he is a successor, he is somebody he's supposed to train. It means he's not ready to tap out yet. If he's got uh, um, 7,000 others who have not bowed, there's people that he's supposed to lead. There's people he's supposed to guide. He just couldn't see it while he was down in that spot. 
For many of us, we feel like legitimately my life is this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong and I'm struggling with this and my mind is closed up on that and I can't feel this and my emotions are this. and I believe God is saying, come up higher, come up and meet with me, come up and hear my voice. Now, specifically, what's interesting about Mount Horeb that Elijah went to, do you know it's the same place as Mount Sinai? There's two names for the same mountain. So Mount Sinai and Mount Horeb, it's the same place that Moses went and met God. It's the same place that the Ten Commandments came from. It's the same place where people, when they needed to hear from God, and and what they mean, what these mountains names mean, it's the mountain of God. Literally, they went to the mountain of God to hear God. Old Testament, they actually went to locations, like they went to the temple to meet with God. They went and they, you know, actually performed sacrifices on altars. New Testament, all of this happens within us. The Spirit of God connects with the Spirit of God. Spirit of God on the inside of us connects with the Spirit of God in the heavenly realm. There is a connection that happens. It's the deciding to step away and meet with Him that makes all the difference in the world. It's us actually choosing to come up higher. So we're just going to look at a couple quick points here. How do we come up higher? How do we come up higher? Revelation 1, 10 to 11. Revelation is obviously the story of the end of the world. The apocalypse is quite exciting, quite terrifying, quite interesting, quite confusing, quite awesome. It's the stuff of God that we, we are only seeing in part, but we can get you know, fresh revelation about it the more we study into it. But essentially, it's written by John, the apostle, who had this encounter in the heavenly realm. And he describes it this way, Revelation 1, 10 and 11. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. So the story goes that John was actually, he'd already been imprisoned, he'd already been um, you know, arrested and challenged for his faith. He'd already been boiled in oil and it didn't take. Ew. Uh, so what do they do with him? They, they exile him on the island of Patmos. So I don't know who all was there or whatever, but the key is he's not like, I can't believe this happened to me. I'm following Jesus and I get arrested and boiled in oil. And, you know, like, here I am living through that. Now I'm exiled. No, he's in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? It means he, he was actually pursuing God. He was pursuing the Lord. He was in the spirit. He was in prayer. He was in worship. He was engaging. Some people believe that he had this, like the spirit caught him up, but he doesn't say that he was taken up by the spirit. He says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day and then something happened. In other words, he'd made a conscious choice to pursue the spirit of God. He'd made a conscious choice to look away from his circumstances and go after the things of God. He was spending time in communion with God. He'd made a conscious choice to pursue. Lots of times we feel like if God wants to talk to me, he'll just chase me down. He knows where I am. He he knows, you know, what vehicle I drive. He knows where I live. If he wants to talk to me, he knows where I am. God is notorious for waiting for us to turn to him. He waits for us to seek him. When you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. John was pursuing God. 
He was seeking him. Some of us have never experienced the voice of God because we don't, we don't pursue. We just think he knows where I am. We're not after him. We're not seeking him. We're not going after his heart. That takes turning away from the other stuff. The other stuff wants our attention. The other stuff is the noise of life that sucks us into the void and the brokenness. But when we choose to turn away from it and we pursue, we are in the spirit on the Lord's day. We're seeking him. There's the opportunity to hear his voice. And this is what's happening. Similar thing happened when... um, Peter had the encounter. You remember the story where he saw the, he was on the roof and there was the sheet came down with the animals in it. And, and, you know, he saw, and he heard the voice take and kill and eat and whatever. And Peter's like, I'm not doing that. That's weird. Essentially it was God saying that the spirit of God was going to come upon the Gentiles too. It was a radical shift in what they knew about how God operated. It was this radical revelation that changed the course of history, or at least our understanding of it. But what it says in that moment, it says in Acts 10, 9, the next day as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. It's, it actually says that he was hungry, and I mean, we could say that he was hangry and he passed out, but whatever. He, was, he actually went up on the roof to pray. The word that's used there for pray means to seek and worship. So he actually, after a journey, he's waiting for a meal. He, you know, he's could have had all kinds of just business stuff to do, administration stuff to do, but instead he went up higher. I find it interesting. He went up on the rooftop. He went up higher physically to pray, to seek God, to worship. That was his choice. And while he was worshiping, while he was praying, while he was seeking, he has this vision. And the voice from heaven comes and gives him instructions about a radical change that's going to happen. What I'm saying is that John gets this revelation about the end times, the apocalypse, the days that are to come, the end time church. Peter has this revelation about the release of the spirit of God onto the Gentiles and the shift out of just Jewish custom. Why? What were they both doing? Seeking God, pursuing God, coming up higher. I believe that there are strategies from heaven that are available for us in this current age. Things that God expects the church to release. We cannot get all upset about what's wrong with the government things, what's wrong with the laws, what's wrong with the social systems, if the church is not an active voice for righteousness. We are the ones who are called to step up. We're the ones who are called to make a difference. We're the, call, the ones called to speak forth what love actually looks like, what truth actually is, the wisdom of heaven. It's meant to come from the church. But if we don't come up higher, we'll miss it. We just sit there being frustrated saints. Like, God, why don't you do something? God's like, come up higher. I have wisdom for you. I have something I want to tell you. And I want, uh, you, know, I want you to release these words. Colossians 3, 1 to 3, if you were raised in Christ, seek those things, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let, let, let's hear this in the message Bible because I think it's like so, so helpful. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life in Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. 
Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what's going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Isn't that good? It's this conscious thought. If we spent as much time seeking God as we did complaining, we would probably have a move of God that would be notable. If we spent as much time going, Lord, how do you see this situation? How do you see this person? How do you see this this workplace? How do you see this neighborhood? What's your thoughts about this? What's your plans for this? What's your desire for this? If we're seeking this as much as we spend going, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is actually happening. We would see God move things. We would pray in agreement. We would declare in agreement. We would act in agreement. But most of the time, we forget to come up higher. We forget to set our mind on things above. It's interesting when Moses, uh, you remember when he was um, back in the wilderness and he's tending for the sheep and he hadn't, you know, he hadn't yet been the deliverer of, of Israel and he's out there just doing his thing. And it says that he saw, he saw out of the corner of his eye, this bush that was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. Do you know where the bush was? Mount Sinai, the mountain of the Lord. And what did he do? He didn't go, well, that's freaky. Okay, back to the sheep. It says he turned aside and went to see. And when he got close and he saw what was going on and he heard the call of God, he took his shoes off because he said, this place is holy ground. He knew I'm encountering God. He on purpose left the sheep, left the field, left the responsibilities of this realm to follow the call of God. I'm not saying that we'd be irresponsible, but I'm saying it was time for an entire nation to be delivered. And he could have been more concerned about a couple hundred sheep. Some of us need to be concerned about what God is concerned about. I would say we are on the precipice of it is time for an entire nation to be delivered. And we need to be not more concerned about the farming right in front of us, right? Whatever our jobs are, though we do what, whatever our hand finds to do, we do it with all our heart, but we take the time to turn aside when we see God and we come into his presence and we pursue and we listen for the instructions. Some of us are like, I cannot do this for another 20 years. I hate my job. I hate my career. I can't live like this. I don't even know. I just need some excitement in my life. No, you need a voice from God to tell you what you're actually called for. There is something on the inside of you. If you're feeling restless, it's because God has something to tell you, but you won't hear it just waiting for him to talk to you about your business. He is going to meet you when you come to turn aside and seek him. When you go up on the rooftop to pray while you're waiting for lunch, when you go into that place where you're in the spirit on the Lord's day instead of, yeah, we come to church because we just like, if it, if it could get done by 12, that'd be great. Cause we're going for brunch afterwards. Mm. Get in the spirit on the Lord's day and see what he has to say to you, right? This is what he's calling us to. I believe God is raising up a generation of his people who are about to see signs, wonders, and miracles like we can't even possibly imagine. But it's going to be a people who come aside and are different. People who seek his face. People who trust his wisdom. People who are, are, are dependent on the power of God. The voice 
last time you got up on a Monday morning and said, thank you, God, for another week, what do you got planned? Instead of going, oh, here's my calendar. Dear God, help me get through it. Right? What do you have planned? What do you want for my life today? What do you have planned for me? What do you have to say to me? Is there something you want me to pray, declare, somebody you want me to meet, somebody you want me to minister to, something you want me to sow into, something you want me to stir up faith for, something you want me to study? When was the last time you turned away from the noise to come up higher? Number two, what happens when we come up higher then? So Revelation 4 says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me saying, come up here and I will show you the things which must take place after this. Positionally, we're already seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what happens when we're born again. But mentally, emotionally, the soul realm, oftentimes we forget that and we spend all of our time mucking around down here. And so the decision to come up higher is to to actually partner with who God says we are already. Come up here and I will show you the things which must take place. Isaiah 2, 2 to 3 talks about this same kind of thing. And it's talking about the last days and and, uh, when Jesus is ruling on the earth. It says, now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of all the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall say, come let us go up. Notice the flow. Come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways and we shall walk in his paths. Come, let us go up and he will teach us. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know if we should buy this house. I don't know if we should move. I don't know if I should go to school. I don't know if I should be with this guy. I don't know. Let me just suggest you go up and get wisdom that is higher than the wisdom you can currently put a draw on right now. Because the earthly wisdom is gonna be self-absorbed, it's gonna be sensual, it's gonna provide space for every evil thing to come in and rob you of what God has intended to give you. He has come that you would have life and life abundantly. The abundant life in God will not be attained if we don't come up higher and see from his perspective. If we don't look at things the way he looks at things, if we don't listen for the wisdom of heaven, if we're turning to earthly counsel for every decision, we will miss the abundant life that he has for us. The invitation is very loud right now. Honestly, it's very loud right now. We're, and I'm, most of you have heard it. I, I believe God's giving us this message even this weekend because we're headed into May long weekend. We know that, you know, the North just kind of disappears from, from here until September long weekend from time to time. It is very tempting to say, I just need a break. I just need to go camping. I just need a holiday. I just need a change of scenery. And probably physically you do. It's been a really hard year. There's probably some physical refreshing that is required. But physical refreshing without coming up higher won't do you much good. It won't be sustainable. So even when you get away, you know, wherever you go, set your mind that in this time, I am also going to seek God. I am not just going after the things of the flesh, but I need to meet with God. You can start that right now. It's this, it's this thing, this call that God's calling us to. We're in the dead spaces. Instead of scrolling through our phones, we do what Peter did and went up on the roof to pray. 
Like, it, what are we doing to come after him? What's the holy pursuit on our hearts? Let us go up and he will teach us his ways. Final thing, and we're gonna wrap up with this. Who can come up higher? <laughs> yeah, it is literally anybody who knows Christ. Anybody who is his kid, we are seated together with him in heavenly places. We sang this morning about the veil being torn and the anchor behind the veil. That happens when we say yes to Jesus. When we say yes to him, when we say, God, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you paid the price for me. I believe that though my sin separated me from you before, your blood has paid the price and my sin has been forgiven. I am cleansed. I have gone from being a stranger to being a son. I've gone from being a stranger to being a daughter. I have come into your family. And because I have that, I get to choose this. Why that's important is because we're looking for earthly systems to come up with wise solutions to these problems. But unless people know God, they don't have access to heavenly wisdom. That's the truth. Heavenly wisdom is there for those who come up higher for those who seek him, for those who pursue him. It means that the answer to the issues of life are found in God's kids if we will seek him, if we'll ask him, if we'll press in. We can whine and say, why can't the world solve the world's problems? Because the world is bankrupt. The treasures of heaven are there to be pulled on by God's kids and released into earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Psalm 24, three to six says, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Isn't it interesting? It just keeps talking about the, his holy mountain, the hill of the Lord, this, this place where God dwells. It just means he's higher than we are. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. His systems are higher better, developed. They're, they're king's solutions. King's solutions. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. The first part, we can't do anything about, you know, other than say yes to him. He was clean hands and a pure heart. He cleanses us. He forgives us. He makes us pure. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. We are the ones who get to choose whether God is first place in our lives or not. Whether he will have no other gods before him. So we get to decide if he's the one we're actually pursuing. He's my God. The generation of those who seek his face, not the generation of those who seek his hand. The generation of those who seek his face, the ones who want to know him, the ones who want to pursue him, the ones who want to engage him, the ones who want that conversation. I love, you know, the fact is when Elijah had that encounter with God with the still small voice and he wasn't in the earthquake and he wasn't in the fire and he, he had been at other times. But in the brokenness that Elijah was experiencing, God knew he needed the face-to-face. -face. I'm going to talk quietly and softly, so you have to lean in. And I'm going to tell you your future. 
and I'm gonna tell you your next steps. And I'm gonna tell you that you've been lied to. And I'm gonna tell you that it's not over. I'm gonna tell you that you have purpose. I'm gonna tell you that there's somebody coming up after you who needs to hear what you have to say. I'm gonna tell you that there's still plans and there's still purposes for your life. And God says this in this sweet, intimate way that makes Elijah just lean in and go, okay. And we know that even though Elijah in this moment, you know, we started there, he, he had this moment where he's out there praying for God to kill him. Elijah was one of the very, very few who never actually died on this earth. God's plan for him was so the opposite of what the enemy wanted. That spirit of despair, that spirit of death, that spirit of suicide had landed on him and all he could think was, I can't even get past today. I don't even wanna be here today, I'm alone. And God, when, when Elijah climbs the mountain, God gets in there and in the still small voice, starts speaking destiny to him starts speaking purpose to him to the point that Elijah lives out the rest of his life in such close connection that he just gets carried off. His body was never found. What is God calling you to that you've been so tempted to walk away from? What is it that's beyond your survival right now? What is it that's beyond the here and now, I just need to get through this mess. What is it that needs you to come up higher to experience Mark 9, 2, and I just want to close with this one. I'll have the worship team come. The Mount of Transfiguration is so interesting. In Mark's version, in verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 2, it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, and he led them up on a high mountain, and he was transfigured before them. This passage is such an interesting one because it's, you know, we know that the story happens where Peter, James, and John are Jesus' besties. He had the 12, he had all the disciples that followed him, but he had three that he let come in. And they were the ones that leaned in and listened to his voice. They were the ones that connected with him. And it says specifically six days, it was six days, and then they go up the mountain and Jesus was transfigured before them. The reason this is significant, because it doesn't really matter otherwise, the travel schedule, is that it was the reflection of Moses' experience in Exodus 24, 16, where for six days, the cloud covered Sinai, and the seventh day, God called Moses and revealed himself to him. What I'm saying is, it's so cool that Jesus was like, he lived out the fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? But sometimes it's not like I tried praying and God didn't show up, and so he just doesn't talk to me. I, I, I did this stuff, I put on worship music and I didn't feel any better. And so it's not, it's not really for me. Or I fasted for two days and nothing really happened. And so I just like, obviously that's just for other people, it's not for me. Seven days, even those walking, Jesus's besties on the earth, walking with him, six days were just normal. And the seventh day, all of a sudden they saw something they'd never seen before. They experienced Jesus like they had never experienced him before. Moses, Old Testament, six days they stood there at the mountain with a cloud. You said to come up the mountain. It's a little foggy. Not hearing a lot. Yes. Yeah, so. 
okay? Day seven, the thunder comes from the mountain and the most high God reveals himself and transforms the way people behave, transforms people's understanding of who God is. I'm saying that I believe God is calling us in this season to go beyond what our natural limits are, to press in, to seek, to stay there until you hear something. Stay there until you see something. Stay there until you experience something. We are not in a season where it's, I tried that and it didn't work. You know, that's for diet pills, not for Jesus, right? We're so used to, I tried that and it didn't work. Tried this, it didn't work. Tried that and it didn't work. No, God is faithful, always, only faithful. He is true to his word. He says, when we seek him, we will find him. But the word tells us that every time we come up higher, we encounter heaven in a way that transforms earth. That's the reality. I believe God is calling us to experience your kingdom come your will done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me this morning? And I just wanna pray over you. There's no really specific instructions in this, which might be frustrating to some, but the reason is the only thing that all of them have in common is the instruction to come up higher. Different ways, different methods, different mountains, but always coming up from the earthly realm and the earthly noise to seek the voice of the one who is far above, exceedingly, abundantly able to do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. I am tired of expecting government officials to do what is God's job. I wanna pray like God wants us to pray. I wanna declare what he is declaring. I wanna see and believe and expect from his perspective. Come up higher, come up higher and I will show you. Lord, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for meeting us already today in so many ways. And Lord, as we prepare ourselves for a summer of refreshing and the good things that you have for us in the natural, far more importantly, we thank you for the invitation to come up higher and experience you, God, in a realm that is above, wisdom that is higher, that's life-giving, God, counsel that makes sense. Lord, we thank you that you've invited us to come and see what you see and hear what you hear, God. You've invited us to come and see from your perspective. And Lord, I thank you that any place of discouragement, every place of frustration, every place of fogginess, every place of despair that's rested on your people, even this morning. I just pray a supernatural breaking off of that as we choose to pursue you, as we choose to seek you, as we choose to come up higher. 
as we choose, Lord, to climb the mountain of the Lord and seek your face, God, as we determine to not come down until we hear your voice, until we get the instructions, God, I thank you that we don't settle for that clutter of the mind. We don't settle for that despair. We don't settle for discouragement, anger, frustration, disappointment. God, we press in for the higher things. We climb the mountain of the Lord and we seek your face and we find in you fullness of joy. We find in you peace, Lord. We find in you wisdom for the days ahead. And Lord, we thank you for the invitation to know you more and experience what you have planned for us, Lord. We give you our praise and we give you our attention in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.